Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly abundantly and overflowing joy. Greetings to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I hope yesterday, Resurrection Sunday, was filled with peace and joy. I love this time of year. I believe it's one of the most important days in our Christian calendar. And so in that vein, tonight I'm going to be talking about who is this Jesus. Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, prophesied 700 years before Jesus was born. He prophesied about his birth and his death. And Isaiah prophesied the death of Jesus in stunning detail. He wrote in chapters 52 and 53, and I'll be reading uh, right here out of the Amplified Version. And it says, For many the servant of God became an object of horror. Many were astonished at him. His face and his whole appearance were marred more than any man's. And his form beyond that of the sons of men, but just as many were astonished at him, For the servant of God grew up before him like a tender plant and like a root out of dry ground. He has no former comeliness, royal, kingly pomp, that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. So his visage, his appearance was so disfigured more than any man, and here is why. Before Jesus' body was put on the cross, Scripture tells us that multiple men took turns punching Jesus in the face. Blow after blow, yet he did not try to deflect any of those blows. Then they pulled out his beard. Imagine how painful that must have been. A crown of thick, long thorns was made and pressed deep into his scalp, causing a rush of blood to flow down onto his face and into the gaping wounds from his beard being pulled out. You see, criminals under Roman rule received a scourging with a flagellum. The Romans used this whip made of leather with three or four long leather straps, and attached to those straps were pieces of sharp iron or bone. This was used to strike the back of Jesus 39 times, according to Jewish law. According to Roman law, had he been a Roman, they could have flogged him many times, like as long as they wanted. You see, the Romans were very vicious, and they would beat these prisoners until they were just near death. The flesh was torn completely away through the skin to the muscle and then to the bone and even to the bone marrow at times. Now we can see why Isaiah said that Jesus was so disfigured that he was unrecognizable. Isaiah went on to say that Jesus was despised and rejected by men and the people hid their faces from him. He was wounded for our transgressions, our grievous sins. He was bruised for our iniquities, our propensity to sin. 
and by his stripes, the stripes he took on his back, we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every one of us to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, the Father laid on his son Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. So who was this man, Jesus? Paul the Apostle tells us in 2 Corinthians that Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Paul wrote to Timothy that this Jesus saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And to me, one of the astonishing things about this specific scripture is that it says that he saved us and called us before time began. Imagine that. I mean, I'm not sure I can wrap my brain around it, but before time began, this Jesus saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. I love it. The Apostle John wrote in chapter 1 of his gospel that Jesus was the word and that Jesus was in the beginning with God. John also wrote, All things were made through Jesus, and without him nothing was made that was made. John said that in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. John said that Jesus was the true light, which gives light to every man and woman coming into the world. John said in his first epistle that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. John said that grace and truth came through Jesus. When John saw Jesus coming toward him, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In that same epistle, John writes, In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, the one who would reconcile us back to our Heavenly Father. 
John writes that God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. In the book of 1 Peter, Peter said that Jesus said for us to be holy because he was holy. In the book of Revelation, Jesus said of himself, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and death. And if you remember one of the teachings that I did maybe a year ago, I explained the importance of that one little word, amen. It means surely you can count on it. And it actually is a covenant term. So when he is saying, I am alive forevermore, amen, that is a mouthful. So we've learned that Jesus was sinless. We learned that before time began, he saved us and called us with a holy calling. He abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He was the word, and he was in the beginning with God, and he was God. He made everything we know and see. He is called the creator of heaven and earth. And I think sometimes we don't take time to just meditate on that, to really understand that everything that was made was made through Christ. Everything. And we, we wonder how, how did all, this, all of these things come into being? I mean, we, we understand that he made the planets and the moon, the stars, the sun, the earth itself. But think of all the other things that we actually see with our natural eye and to understand that everything that was made, he made. This Jesus was life and he was the true light, giving light to every man and woman coming into the world. And that says to me that every person born Every human being born is giving, he is giving light to them. Now, whether they accept that light as they grow and mature is ultimately up to them. But they, he does give light. It's the, that's what the scripture says. He gives light to every human being coming into the world. There is no darkness in Jesus. And Jesus is grace and truth. Jesus was the Lamb of God, and he did take away the sin of the world. Jesus is love, and Jesus is holy. He is the beginning and the end. He was dead, but he is alive forevermore, and he has the keys to Hades and death. Jesus said of himself in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 
Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest and ease and refreshment for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So this Jesus was very gentle and very humble. He says that of himself. And he says, if you, if you just take my yoke, you are going to receive such rest, such refreshment for your soul. Because his yoke is so easy and it's so light. There may be some of you today carrying some very heavy burdens. If you know Jesus, that burden might be despair, might be discouragement, depression. Maybe you're struggling with some type of loss, loss of a job, loss of a relationship, loss of a loved one. A physical ailment, a broken relationship with a friend or a loved one. Maybe you're struggling with guilt and condemnation. Or that burden could be unforgiveness that you keep refusing to deal with. Which for a believer is like playing with a deadly poisonous snake. Now, if you don't know Jesus and you're listening to this message... If you don't know him as your personal savior, the Bible says you're walking in darkness. And you see, there's really only two kingdoms in this world. There are only two. The kingdom of light, in which Jesus resides, and the kingdom of darkness, where Satan abides. Now, when you're walking in darkness... You have no idea where you are going. It's as if you are blind. And that's why people who don't know Jesus have no sense of real reality because being in darkness, it is like being blind. For some of you, life has dealt you some pretty harsh blows. Maybe from the time of your childhood, life has not been what you expected. Maybe your parents divorced while you were very young. Maybe kids in school were mean and bullied you. Now, I was in junior high some, mm, how many years? (laughs) 50s, 60 years ago. And I was bullied. I was bullied by the boys. And they were mean and said mean things. Uh, not, to, not to the degree that they bully today where, you know, they go on social media and they have such influence on people that young people take their lives. I mean, they actually commit suicide because of being bullied. But it was, it was very hurtful. It was very painful. And I never told anyone. I never told my parents. I never told the teachers. I just kept it inside. And it's a terrible thing to be bullied. It really, really does hurt. And it causes a lot of rejection. You feel a great sense of rejection 
when you have been bullied. So I understand. I really can empathize with young people, children today who are bullied. You see, when our heart gets wounded, we start laying a foundation around our heart, like brick by brick. And so as we grow and age and every time we're hurt by someone or wounded or some traumatic thing happens, we just add another brick to that foundation. And life can bring devastating situations that neither you or I have control over. And so we lay a few more bricks on that foundation. And before you know it, you've constructed a fortress around your heart. A fortress that is out of stone that no one can penetrate. It's a protective mechanism. It's what people do to protect their heart so that no one can hurt them again. At least that's what they think. But that's a very heavy burden. And the weight of it can be quite overwhelming. I want to share a testimony of a man from Australia. And this testimony really struck me. This man, when he was about eight years old, his father died suddenly. He had a loving relationship with his father. He loved his father very much. His father suddenly dies. And it was so devastating to this young boy that he told God, he said, I hate you and I will always hate you. So we can see that he started laying that foundation brick by brick around his heart. And he just kept building that fortress because by the time he was 14 years old, he had joined a gang, a violent gang. And by the time he was 18, he said that all he wanted to do was hurt people violently. I, I kind of find that odd. I, 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 I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. And one day he and his gang friends, they took this person and they just kept running over this person's hand with a car. Over and over and over, they just kept running over this person's hand. And he delighted in it. Now, one day he heard that Billy Graham was coming to Australia near to where he lived. And that day, this young man decided he was going to kill Billy Graham. So he said, I want to kill him because he preaches about God and I hate God. So he gathered eight of his friends in the gang. And they came to the stadium where Billy Graham was preaching with some type of weapon that they had fashioned because guns are not allowed in Australia. People, you cannot own a personal gun in Australia. I mean, we sometimes don't realize the liberty that we have living in the United States, that we have a Second Amendment. That does not exist in Australia. They cannot carry a weapon. They cannot own a weapon. Anyway, they came to the stadium and they sat on the field. The more that Billy Graham preached, the more convicted this young man became. And by the time of the altar call, he was sobbing. And when 
Billy Graham called for people to come forth to give Christ, life, their life to Christ, he went forth. Seven of those eight gang members also invited Christ into their heart. And that man today is still serving the Lord 40 years later with the Salvation Army. I find that a most incredible testimony. And it just says, you know, that God can reach to the uttermost. I mean, this man was the uttermost. But God reached out and touched his heart. So he can break down any fortress that you have built around your heart. The Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Romans, talking about the love of God in chapter 8, verses 35 and 38, he said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Paul said, I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels, nor principalities or powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height nor depth, nor any other created being shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Folks, life isn't fair. And many time our, times our coping mechanisms, they're not healthy ones. People who find unhealthy coping, coping mechanisms, turn to alcohol, drugs, sex, pornography. And ultimately, we are searching for love. We want to feel loved. We want to be loved. We want peace in our life. Jesus is the only answer. He said, come to me all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest and refreshment. I will give you my peace. And because Jesus is love, when you find him, you'll find the love you have always been looking for. He paid the price with his life. He gave us his life so that we might have eternal life with him. You see, we deserved death and punishment and hell, yet he gave us forgiveness, peace, and eternal life. Who is this Jesus? He's the one who wants to have a wonderful relationship with you. The Bible says he knew your name before you were ever in your mother's womb. That's pretty amazing. He loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. The Bible says he has an intended end for you. And so there's an intention on your life. There's a purpose that God has for every human being on this planet. He's washed away your sins. All you have to do is accept that and believe it. Would you like to know this Jesus? I want you to just take a moment as I'm talking and think about your life. Where are you headed? 
Is your life what you want it to be? Are you making right choices? Are you living a life of joy and peace? Or is it more like hell on earth at times? Today, you have an opportunity of a lifetime to make a decision that will ultimately change your life for the good. All you have to do is repent. That means you're going in this particular direction. And when you repent, now you've decided to turn and go the opposite direction. That's what repent means. Now, if you're not where you need to be, you need to have a talk with Jesus about that. Maybe you've been rather lukewarm in your relationship with him, and he says he wants you hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, he'll vomit you out of his mouth. So if you want to walk closer to Jesus, now's the time to take advantage of that. So I would like you to pray with me now, because if you don't know Jesus, now is the time to accept him as Savior and start this wonderful new relationship, a wonderful new life and future ahead. So will you pray with me now? Just say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, and I thank you that by your blood shed on the cross, you will wash all my sins away and give me a brand new life in you. I invite you today, Jesus, to come into my heart and save my soul. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you, Jesus, were raised from the dead. So thank you for being my Savior. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, would you email me at dawn at pureheart.today? That's D-A-W-N, all lowercase letters, D-A-W-N, at pureheart.today, and let me know that you accepted the Lord, and I would love to uh, pray with you and talk to you. Well, I'll close with this blessing. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Blessings be upon each of you today. Amen. This is Dawn Noble. You can go to www.pureheart.today to listen to this podcast again, or you can download the iHeartRadio app on your phone and go to Pure Heart Ministries. That's the name of my podcast and listen anytime, 24-7. Again, you can email me at dawn at pureheart.today. I would love to hear from you. And thank you so much. I always uh, am very grateful for your prayers, and I'm asking you to consider giving financially to this ministry. You can send a check to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, 
Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. That's Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. I certainly look forward to being with you again next week. This is Don Noble saying, Shalom, Shalom. Peace be unto you.